What is going on, baseball fans? Welcome to another episode of This Week in Baseball, presented by Diamond Digest, Season 2, Episode 16. I'm your host, Jordan Lazowski, and joining me today, a full crew, Sean Huff, Christian Lloyd, Jay Roy, Jonathan Roy. Gentlemen, how are we doing this evening? Pretty good, Laz. We're good. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> All good things. Good to hear from everybody. Got another action-packed show for everyone. Usual standings updates around the league in 60 seconds. Heading into the seventh inning stretch. And unfortunately, with two Phillies writers, we're going to have to talk about the Phillies a little bit. Um, I, I, You do what you got to do. But Yeah, gr- fantastic timing. Can't, couldn't get any better than this. But let's jump into it. We'll start with the standings update. This is done before Sunday Night Baseball on... Sunday, so there might be some small changes to the standings, probably nothing too crazy. But if the season ended today, the Tampa Bay Rays would lead the Boston Red Sox by four games in the AL East. Chicago White Sox, 10 games up on the Cleveland now Guardians. AOS, the Houston Astros lead the division out there. Your two wild card teams, the aforementioned Boston Red Sox, and just barely the Oakland Athletics. In the National League, first real change in quite some time with these standings updates on a week-to-week basis, the Phillies are in first place in the NL East. The Milwaukee Brewers have just a five-game lead now in the NL Central. The NL West still belongs to, and here is, Diego, your shout-out to the Giants, the 71-win San Francisco Giants, the first team to 70 wins. They are still in first place in the NL West. The National League wildcard teams are the Los Angeles Dodgers. Nothing changed there. The San Diego Padres. Nothing's changed there. We'll talk about the Phillies in a little bit. So I don't want you two to spoil too much, but I'd feel bad if I didn't at least give you your, I guess I told you so moment of here come the Phillies. So Jay Roy, Sean, I'll give you a little bit of time before we jump into around the league uh, to celebrate your first place Phillies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'll start. Uh, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll talk about the Phillies a little bit later. So I'll save a little bit for that, but I just wanted to share this stat really quick. Today, Zach Wheeler became the first Philly to retire 22 consecutive batters in a start since May 29, 2010. That was Roy Halladay's perfect game. Today, the Phillies retired uh, Roy Halladay's number 34. Uh, So, you know, a really emotional day for the Phillies, probably for the whole ball club. And, you know, as a Phillies fan, just to, you know, for Wheeler to come out and dominate the Mets like that, get the sweep. Uh, on the same day that Halliday's number got retired, that's just you know a really cool moment. Yeah, I'll get in later to what I think is going to happen with the Phillies and the Mets and the Braves, but I was also going to talk about Halliday's day. I tried to find my Halliday pin that I got when he went into the Hall of Fame, but I can't find it. It's in a hat somewhere. But yeah, watching them today was probably the best it's felt to watch them since 2011. They just looked actually good for once. It's it's different now. And I'm sure you'll explain why once we get into that in a little bit. But yeah. Christian, as for you, fourth place Angels still. Nothing yeah. new there. But 
I'm sure at some point you get this team healthy. It's a little bit different, but is what it is. Let's jump into around the league in 60 seconds, though. Both Sean and Jay Roy have already started a little bit with the first place Phillies. If you're new to this, we give a recap of the week. Um, what each of our panelists here thought was the most exciting parts of the week that maybe we don't cover in seventh inning stretch. So we will let uh, Sean go first. So I want to talk about some of the guys in new places for a little bit. Anthony Rizzo has had, I think, about uh, 40,000 WRC plus since he went to the Yankees. <laughs> Javi Baez is hurt, but he had been okay. Kyle Gibson's been really good, surprisingly. I wasn't counting on him much. Scherzer, of course, dominant. Kimbrel, dominant, except for the 170 XBA home run, which lost me about $30. Um, <laughs> Jorge Soler has been surprisingly good. It looked like the trade deadline at the time looked like, oh, this is a big deal. We're going to remember this one. And the players are really backing it up, especially mm -hmm. now that Trey Turner's healthy. He's maybe the best shortstop active right now with Tatis gone. This looked like it was something special, and so far it is. I will say one thing I noticed with Javi Baez and the move. I saw some SNY, I believe it was, for the Mets, put out an article about, you know, Javi Baez chases a lot, but can he change or something like that? It's like, have you not watched him? For the, the quote tweet of, did they scout him, was the best one. <laughs> so, yeah, that was funny in terms of like teams or guys changing teams and stuff like that. And, you know, new fan base is starting to get acclimated to guys that they're not used to. Uh, Gallo's, so like, Gallo's the best one there. Yeah, that's a, that's going to be a fun example. I know he had a big home run against Seattle uh, a couple days ago, but that'll be a fun one for them to get used to. But... Jay Roy, what you got? Yeah, so I just want to say about Gallo. You know, he he got himself his first short porch short porch home run. Oh, that's kind of ironic. You know, yeah. the guy hit 550 feet, put one over the over the fence in right field. Uh, I wanted to mention Mike Trout turning 30. I don't know if Christian might have mentioned that, but I you know I think uh, this season we haven't really talked about Mike Trout a ton because he hasn't played a lot, but. You know, this guy is is the best player of the last decade, and I think it's kind of crazy just seeing him turn 30. You know, it feels like just the other day, it was 2012, and he was making that MVP push against Cabrera, and we were all like, who is this guy? Like, who is this dude? And, uh, you know, he's right at 78 F4 for his career. You know, he's going to sleepwalk into the Hall of Fame. I think, you know, every day forward now, he's going to be on kind of the wrong side of 30, but I still expect him to be elite for a few more years. It's just kind of an interesting thing that he's finally 30 years old. Um, I'll, You know, Bryce has been awesome. I'll say a really quick thing about him. He just crossed, he just crossed 40 F4 pretty recently, which I think is a, is a pretty big mark for him. You know, like this mark. is a guy that yeah. – Big Mark, uh, you know, he'll he'll go in the Hall of Fame one day, hopefully, barring some, you know, really big injury one day or something. So that's a pretty big milestone for a guy that some people think has underachieved throughout his career, you know. And uh, I just think it goes to show that, like, he was so young being so good. And so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's he's really racked up a lot of, a lot of wins and stuff. Um, you know, it's been really interesting seeing certain people in different places Seeing Scherzer as a Dodger is just so weird. You know, seeing Trey Turner as a Dodger is so weird. Seeing, you know, Rizzo and Baez and Bryant, like, not being Cubs so weird. But, uh, you know, I think we'll get used to it pretty quickly. And, uh, 
you know, all the trade deadline madness that made I think that made the game real, makes makes the game really exciting. So I'm looking forward to all that in the second half. Yeah. The the funny thing is when I when you think about like Trout turning thirty. The it wasn't the first thing I thought of, but I know, like I play fantasy baseball. I love doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, at what point do people? And I feel like it's already started happening when you see like people doing mock fantasy things and stuff. Like, at what point is it not a given that you take Mike Trout first? Like, it, maybe if you're doing it, yeah, it's like maybe if you exactly you start doing dynasty leagues and stuff. Like, at what point are people like? You know, it's a consensus almost that you don't mm-hmm. take Mike Trout first. And you're starting to see that shift, and then he hits 30 now. It's like, all right, that day's probably coming sooner than later. But it's – which is, again, wild to think about because he's still Mike Trout. Um, yeah. Christian, what you got? Um, On Mike Trout, yeah. Uh, I think like two years ago, Acuna and stuff, they started passing yeah. him up just um with the stolen bases that he doesn't provide that they do for fantasy now. Um. But for around the league, uh, just the Angels as a whole, we've been calling up all of our prospects, and it's awesome to mm-hmm. see. Um, Demers got called up. He got shelled, unfortunately, against Oakland <laughs> and the Dodgers. It's a tough two teams to face to start off his mm-hmm. career. But um, our entire bullpen's been completely changed with just young pitching. Andrew Wentz and um, Sam Selman, who we got from the Giants. He's now up and dominating in the big leagues. We've just had a lot of young talent come up. Joe Adele is finally here. Brandon Marsh is here. And our young pitching is here. Like, it's really here. Patrick Sandoval has been one of the best pitchers in baseball this season. And his whiff stuff has, is, is the best in baseball. Yeah. The, the sign of the future coming for the Angels. Finally. It's, it's a nice change. I was just going to say it's probably a nice change of pace as an Angels fan. Just being able to see some of the young, fresh talent coming in. Um Always exciting when young prospects come up. So, let me think. Anything else I might, we might have missed? I don't really think so. It was a, I say boring, but it was a fairly straightforward week of baseball. Nothing too crazy happening. Um, not too many headlines that we won't really cover in seven, seven mm. inning stretch. But the Boston collapse. So that is a whole. That's a, I actually, someone just mentioned that in a group chat of mine. They went from like a plus 100 run differential to something like only plus 30, plus 34, or something like that. So, but we knew they it, weren't that good. We, we knew that's they where that things good, start though. getting interesting. Exactly. It's like you knew the oh, pitching yeah. wasn't that good. And how long does that hold? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. I kind of thought the same thing about the Giants, though. I was like, yeah, like Red Sox and the Giants, you know, they're playing out of their minds. But, like, I don't know. They're both, like, not that good. But the Giants are still yeah. 30 games above 500. So, you know, I, yeah. you never know. It is, but th- their pitching was a lot better. I've been saying that all season, though, and it hasn't happened. And they, made, they got a trade for Chris Bryant, who was – that's a huge addition. Right. Um, yeah. Boston got uh, Kyle Schwarber. We like Kyle Schwarber. He's awesome. But he had another setback with his hamstring, and he's going to mm-hmm. be out for another two weeks longer. It's, but they're, they're going to sell. They are going to sell back. That's the, that's the big the thing. Top it's three like pitcher in the league. They're getting back. Yeah. You went from – I mean, Boston's – what they did early on was built on hitting. What mm-hmm. San Francisco's done, and why I feel like it's a little different. San Francisco's done it a lot on pitching. Yeah. Uh, and now you add a big bat on top of that, it almost feels like that should feel a little bit more sustainable. Um, mm-hmm. But not to be fair, nothing's really that sustainable when you're playing in the same division as the Padres and the Dodgers. And you're going to have to fight for it. 
So it's like you're fighting for it there. Um, I'm, I'm, that's remains a very curious, like little um, case study of sorts for why the giants remain in first place still. Um, but let's jump into seventh inning stretch. We'll start talking about what we had just previously mentioned. Chris sale will make his return to the Red Sox on August 14th after undergoing Tommy John surgery. Meanwhile, Ramon Laureano of the A's was suspended 16 or six or excuse me, 80 games this week for PED (laughs) (laughs) figures as much a round of applause from Christian. So Red Sox, Rays, Yankees, Astros, and A's. Only four of these teams can get into the playoffs. And the Yankees made the biggest deadline splashes of all of those teams. So who's the odd team out here? And as I share my screen for seventh inning stretch, we will start with the only American League person in the panel, <laughs> Christian. Um, I'd have to say the Red Sox are the odd man now. Their bullpen and their starting pitching is the weakest of all of them. The offense is stronger, but they're they're just not as good. They're not as solid of a team. Um, I don't believe in Oakland. I never will believe in Oakland. <laughs> Shocker. They're annoyingly good. They're It's annoyingly good. Um, their starting pitching has been really, really good. Montes and um, Cole Irvin, I don't believe in their uh, success for this season. Their pen is really strong, though. Their offense has been really lackluster all season. Um, the Rays, they're going to win that division. It's not close either. Um, the Yankees actually can kind of make it close, but I think the Rays are just, their pitching is far and away take, keeping them above everyone else. Yeah, so the Red Sox missing out for sure. That would be quite the fall. J-Roy, your thoughts? Uh, so I I agree with Christian that I'm not going to ever believe in the Oakland Athletics, and that's why, <laughs> you know, and so that that's why I'm going to say that I think they're the odd team out. Christian makes a good point about how uh, the Red Sox starting pitching is a little bit lackluster, but, you know, they're supposed to be getting Chris Sale back, which, you know, which makes me feel a little bit more optimistic about that. I think the Rays, Rays will win that division for sure. I think that they're the most solid team, and uh, they've got a little bit of a cushion right now. Uh, you know, there's there's six ahead of the Yan- six and a half ahead of the Yankees, which I think is their biggest competition there. And so, I mean, I think the Rays will – Win the division. I think that the Yankees and the Red Sox will get those two wild card spots. Uh, the Yankees, you know, I I was so ready to write them off and say that you know they're just going <laughs> to wait for next season. But man, they went out and made some moves. So uh, you know, they I think they I think they're going to have a really good second half. I think that uh, they'll make up a lot of ground, and I think they'll get the I think they'll be the first wild card team. I think the Red Sox will be second. And I, th- I think the A's will be the first team out. Sean? Yeah, if we go by the Fangraphs playoff odds, they have it as a toss-up between the Yankees and the A's. I also think it's a toss-up between the Red Sox and the A's, and I think it's the A's in this case. The Astros are just so demonstrably better than the A's. Their rotation for the playoffs is going to be so deep that they might have Greinke in their bullpen. And he was their game one starter last year, and I believe their opening day starter this year. And they upgraded their bullpen. The A's can't possibly catch them. Then the Rays are going to win that division, even without Glass now. It's the Rays. It's what they do. They pitch. They bring up guys you've never heard of, and they put up a 2 ERA and a 2-5 FIP. And then they trade them for two more guys who do the same thing the next year. (laughs) 
So the Rays are there. The Yankees have won, what, eight of their last 10, nine of their last 11, something like that. Rizzo, Gallo, huge additions. They'll maybe get Severino back at some point. Cole has been great again. I know we were all making fun of him with spider Tack. He's been really good his last few starts. It's It's got to be the A's. The Red Sox are iffy, but sales coming back. Hauk has been very good. He has really filthy stuff. Ivaldi's been a top 15 pitcher this year, quietly. The back end of their bullpen is really strong with Whitlock and Barnes. I don't think they can fall quite that far either. And the A's, I just don't trust them. They just brought in Chris Davis again. And why? (laughs) Is he going to play the outfield? He can't physically throw. They can't make the playoffs. Yeah, you're starting it, – it's it's odd because, like, you know, Boston's lost eight of its last ten games. Houston's lost six of their last eight. Like, you're starting to see the good team struggle right now. And I don't know. I kind of agree. I'm on the A's train for this one. I think when, when you look at – Houston's not going to be losing six of eight for long and Boston's bats are – are what they are, and Chris Sale's coming back to that team. It's no one had, except the Dodgers. No one had a midseason acquisition anywhere near what Chris Sale can be. Um, I I think it's hard to, it, it's hard to write them out. Um, but at the same time, it's it's a tough. Is if I had to pick between the Red Sox and A's, I'm. Probably sticking with the Red Sox. I, I think it is those two teams, though. I, I don't see anyone yeah. else falling out of it. I, I think um, yeah. something that helps Oakland quite a bit is that they're not uh, in a stronger division. As that's a really good right point. Now. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a really good teams. point. The Blue Jays are right there, they too. Don't We're not really talking Jays. about them, but the Blue Jays could easily – I think the Blue Jays are going to finish higher than the Red Sox, and they could really? easily take the wild card and say, oh, yeah. Um, I mean, Barrios was a great addition for them, and their offense is – we know what their offense is. Right. Um, I don't know if athletics are stronger than the Red Sox, but I think their their division is weaker, and their game strength going forward is going to be a little weaker too. Yeah, that's actually a really good point about the schedule and this, um, the divisions. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. That is a good point. And you're right, the, you know, the, the Blue Jays are kind of right there. I think that I the only reason I'm not really mentioning them is I've kind of expected them to make a push the whole season. I've just been kind of waiting mm-hmm. for it to happen, and it hasn't really happened. Uh, you know, I I think that I, – I think they could make a push, but, you know, it might not necessarily – and I know it's kind of fallacious to be like, you know, the Red Sox are in their down streak right now, and they'll bounce back from it. But I've got to think that they'll bounce back from it. I think that this is kind of like the worst stretch of the season they're going to have. And if they can just get through this, if they can just power through these next five to ten games and turn it around a little bit, uh, get their mojo back a little bit, I I think they can. Uh, I think they'll be in a decent spot, especially with the reinforcements coming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One last thing with Toronto is um mm-hmm. they have the best run differential in their division, I think, in the entire American League. Yeah, Houston's above. Um, yeah, Houston is above, but they have a 122 run differential. That is better than Tampa, better than anyone in that division by a good yeah. bit. Um, they're a strong, strong team. I yeah, I would not count Blue Jays out in the slightest. Yeah, that's a good they point. Are. The only worry I have about the Blue Jays is Ryu hasn't been that good. Yeah. 
It's hard. It, okay. And the bigger issue is it's just hard. That's four teams, like four, four really teams in that division, games. 10 games above five. That's that's hard to get out of. Like uh-huh. no, no fault of theirs either. It's just when you yeah, got guys that are that good in your division, it's rough. But it makes for some fun conversation heading down the line, which is good. So Fun baseball going down the line. Too. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Really fun time. Let's talk about the aforementioned Max Scherzer as we jump into inning number two. In his Dodgers debut, he went seven innings through five hits, two earned runs, 10 Ks. I wasn't sure where I was going there. My brain just malfunctioned. With the Giants being the first team to 70 wins this season, will the Dodgers be able to catch them in the NL West? We'll start with J-Roy. Uh, I am going to say that, yes, they will catch them in the NL West. You know, I'm I'm past the point of being like, you know, the Giants are going to fall off at some point. They're, you know, we're too, we're too deep into the se- season for me to be like, oh, well, this, what they're doing is a fluke. They're like 30 games over 500. Like, you know, they're, they're a great team. And uh, they've done it mostly on the back of their pitching and a couple of their star players. Posey's been so good. You know, they uh, – Gosman had a monster first half. Descalfani's been pretty good. You know, Longoria's been playing okay. You know that kind of stuff. And I, but I just think that the moves that the Dodgers made at the deadline are going to prove a little bit too much. We saw Scherzer have a really good outing. I think he's just going to pump out really good outings from now until the next uh, the end of the season. Uh, you know, Trey, that's a great addition. You know. I like to dog on Trey, but he's a good player. He's a good player. He's a great player. You know, he's he's performing as like one of the best shortstops in the league right now. I think you know before the season we were talking about the Dodgers is they have the best lineup that we've ever seen maybe, and they added Scherzer and Trey Turner to that. You know, like I I think they have more. I think they're going to catch up to them. It's like four and a half games right now. Right? Forget what the the distance between the uh, Dodgers and Giants is right now. Four and a half, you're right. Four and a half, okay, yeah. I think if we're going to see some regression to the mean for one of these teams, I think it'll be the Giants before it will be the Dodgers. And for that reason, I I will slightly say that they'll win that division. Trey Turner leaves the Nationals, and all of a sudden, J-Roy feels like he can say nice things about yeah, him. Look I, at that. I would have done it two weeks ago, I'm telling you. <laughs> Christian, your thoughts? I think you're on mute. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Dodgers are winning that division. No offense to the Giants. No offense to Diego. I love them. Buster Posey is the MVP in my eyes right now, unless Fernando Tatis comes back. Um, the Dodgers are just so much better than everyone as a team. Like they're, they're How can you beat them? Cody Bellinger is hitting eighth and should probably be on the bench. He's a 2019 MVP. He should be <laughs> on the bench right now. They're too good of a team. Way too good. It's the Dodgers all the way. It's a really good point. Sean? Of course the Dodgers are going to catch them. Uh, I'm guessing everyone else saw the tweet from Jeremy about there being more combined all-stars in the starting lineups of one of the Dodgers-Astros games than in the starting lineups of the All-Star game. Jeez. That's basically what it is. If I did an actual exercise at one point before the season, 
if you combined the rosters of the Dodgers and the Padres, and then you combined the rosters of the rest of the NL, which is better. And it was the Dodgers and the Padres. Uh-huh. And that's still, you could do that with just the Dodgers themselves, and it would still be really close. They have maybe the Cy Young and Bueller. He's the betting odds favorite right now. Scherzer, Kershaw, two Hall of Famers. Arias got the last out of the World Series last year. He'd be a one or a two on most teams. He's their swing man in the playoffs. They have a deep bullpen. Trinan's been great. Like Notably, Jansen, if you give him a few off days, is back to being peak Jansen, which is just ludicrously unfair. And yeah, Bellinger hits eighth. Chris Taylor hits seventh a lot of the time. Will Smith is still like 40% better than league average, I think, which for a catcher, that's just unfair. I don't know how you beat the Dodgers. I don't know how the Dodgers don't go out and just be four games better than the Giants for the rest of the season because they're going to win today and narrow that gap to four. So I think I think the biggest thing here is it's just, you know, whether or not they win the division, that's not a team you want to face in a short series. Like, you're in trouble. Like winning, winning the division might be one thing. Winning a playoff series against them is going to be – brutal like you earned it if you were able to do it but yeah Any- I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. yeah i was just gonna say i think a big question mark for the dog like i think they'll catch them but i think the margin that they end up taking that lead is just going to depend on like mookie's hip you know i think uh, if he's able to come back from that, like they, yeah. like the dodgers are saying that it's like a really bad injury he's been playing through you know for a long time and but like if he can come back in like, I feel like before that, like, this whole season, Mookie's kind of been playing at pretty much near his floor. You know, I don't – like, you know, he hasn't – I you know, he hasn't really exceeded expectations, but he's been about what Mookie Betts will give you at his absolute floor. So I think that if he can, like, have a really good sh- a month or so when he comes back and he's healthy, I mean, you're – that lineup just becomes even more unfair, and then I th- and I think that would really secure them as you know having the best record in that division. Yeah. To add to that, even if Mookie Betts does go out, Cody Bellinger's back. I mean, when he faces Anaheim, he always fixes his swing, but he just hit another home run right now. Really <laughs> about it. He's back. That's that's Cody Bellinger's back. Yeah. yeah. So you fixed Cody Bellinger in the process. <laughs> Perfect. He's a rhythm player. <laughs> <laughs> We're really going to do an app with slump busters. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see where that ends up lying there. But inning three, it was announced this week that Anthony Rendon will go undergo hip surgery, effectively ending his 2021 season. The articles are already being written about, and I've seen them. I'm not making this up. I promise. Are already being written about how signing Rendon to his seven-year, 245 million dollar deal was a mistake. Christian, no doubt I will start with you here. Was it? And if you are the Angels, what do you do to get this team back and competing in 2022? Um, was it a mistake? Absolutely not. Uh, we needed a third baseman. We haven't had a consistent third baseman since Sean Figgins in 2009. We've had a different opening day third baseman every year. I mean, David Price or David Freeze rather had two years. We needed Anthony Rendon. We needed him at the price that we got him at, too. He's awesome, and he will be awesome going forward next year. Um, 
I think we're competitive. We're competitive this season. We haven't had Mike Trout, Jared Walsh, Upton, Rendon. We haven't had anyone. We're still at 500, above 500 for most of the season. Uh, our young pitching is here. It's we've it's proven itself in my eyes that it can go forward. Uh, they they just need to sign someone. They they really just need to sign bullpen pieces next year and one arm. Um, and not a not a one year deal either. The last uh, multi year deal we've given to a free agent pitcher that wasn't Shohei Otani's rookie contract was CJ Wilson in twenty twelve. Mm-hmm. That's, hey, that's an last absurd time. number. That that's the well. last time we've given a multi year contract to a pitcher. Uh, it's unforgivable in my eyes. Um, but yeah, no, we're competitive. Rendon's injury sucks, but they're they're gonna be good next year. Sometimes getting healthy is the best thing you can possibly do for a team. Sean, your thoughts. So losing Rendon really hurts. He probably wasn't the number one third baseman coming into this season. I had Ramirez ahead of him, but he was really close. He was top three at worst. And, you know, they're a lot, a lot of good third basemen. But the contracts at the time uh, when the initial – Fangraphs article came out on it and the Zips projections came out. It was considered a bit of an overpay, but hey, that's fine. You're a team with Mike Trout. You have to overpay because you have to get to the playoffs. Put a 500 team around Trout. Everyone has said that for, well, 10 years now. And they still haven't done it. But they can do it next year. Healthy Rendon is a five win player get Walsh full playing time. Don't put him behind Pujols for the first month of the season. That's Hmm. an instant. You get another win just by not playing Pujols at all. Fletcher is really good. Make Saucy the full-time catcher. Get Suzuki out of there. I don't know why he's still playing at all. He's a terrible pitch framer, and Saucy's an excellent pitch framer. Adele will get more playing time next year. Walsh is kind of promising. And put C-Rod in the rotation full-time, please. Or at least use him as a swingman, because he's looked filthy. Especially once he went back down to the minors. He's been incredible. It'll also help that now we know again that Dylan Bundy's bad. Which is painful, because he looked really good last year, and it was a lot of fun. But now that we know he's bad again, he doesn't have to take up a dozen starts at the beginning of the year. They can go sign someone. I don't know who exactly. I forget who's free this offseason. I know a lot of old guys, but they don't. There's a really Chicago left-hander that I really like there, huh, Les? Yeah, he'll I'll tell you what, in my eyes quite a bit. I'll tell you what. With the Lynn extension, there's no way he's coming back. I he, he's, yeah. he's going somewhere. Yeah, he is. And Gosman's I, free. I haven't spoken about the Linux extension, but my goodness, what a great deal that was for Chicago. To get him under the qualifying offer. Yeah. yeah. What a ridiculous deal. You guys got oh very, very good. Yeah, I'm yeah. very happy with that, even though it means Rodan's going elsewhere. Yeah. Yes. The the other thing with the Angels is can they get a real shortstop, please? Like Jose Iglesias <laughs> makes a lot of highlight plays, but he's actually a bad defender. And he's not <laughs> And he's not a good hitter. Like, I know the shortstop class isn't going to be as good as it was supposed to be. And I really want Correa to go to the Marlins. I think that would be perfect. 
but still, he'd be a great fit there. Seager would be a good fit there. Baez, uh, not as good of a fit, but still <laughs> decent. Like, he's not as good of a player, but still he's better than Iglesias. I love having video on these because it's like you can watch the reactions to Christian to everything. <laughs> <Sean Stan>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jay Roy, your thoughts on this? Uh, okay, so I think that the Rendon deal is a cla- – like so far what's happened this season is a classic example of like process versus results. And, you know, I think that a lot of people who just kind of like like looking at results are saying like, oh, this is a bad deal because, you know, Rendon came to the Angels and now he's not hitting well. You know, he's playing through injury. Oh, he might be an injury liability for the rest of this deal. But – from a process standpoint, this was an awesome deal. Like, of course, the Angels needed a third baseman. And you're talking about a guy in Anthony Rendon who from 2017 to 2019 put up 6.7, 6.2, and 7 win seasons, like three straight. Like, I mean, he, he's he's a fantastic hitter, and he's a plus defender. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's like a true talent, maybe six-and-a-half win player. Like, Rendon's awesome. He's going he's gonna to be awesome, you know, if he can – recover properly if he can come back in the next season you're looking at a guy who's arguably the best third baseman in the league you know uh you know i don't know if i'd go that far necessarily with it but he listen rendon is so good i i i don't know how you can look at this objectively and be like wow that was a bad deal seven two forty five that's not crazy money you know like that's that's fine you pay that for a player like anthony rendon so, yeah, I, I think this is basically not, you know, people who aren't looking at what goes into this decision and just looking at the other side of it, like, oh, what has it netted you so far? And it hasn't netted you anything so far if you're the Angels. But in the future, I think it almost certainly will. And I just want to say, Sean, I never thought about Correa going to the Marlins, but that would be an awesome fit. That would Correa be- and Jazz next to each other would yeah. be amazing. That would be so sick. I uh, I don't know. I never thought put, about that. That's, put that's Correa in those City Connect Miami uniforms. Ooh. Oh, that's not. Well, nice. maybe, yeah, maybe people will stop hating Correa then. Yeah, yeah. but that's nice. It's <laughs> <laughs> a nice thought. <laughs> put him by Otani. We have a conversation about people. <laughs> him, but other than that, <laughs> oh god. All right, the two of you have been patient. Let's get to the Phillies question. (laughs) Fact or fiction, inning number four. Fact or fiction, the following statement. With an eight-game winning streak and the current state of the Mets, congratulations to the NLE's champion, Philadelphia Phillies. I don't know. It's like, do you want one blow to the head or four to the gut? Like, what is this right now? I guess we'll start with (laughs) J-Roy. He's okay. the much worse one. <laughs> I know. It's like get it over with early. <laughs> you know, this this uh this NL East race is a complete crapshoot, pretty much. And for that, for that reason, like you have no reason necessarily not to pick the Phillies, you know? So like I'm I'm gonna pick the Phillies. I the Mets offense is abysmal. You know, the Braves have been pretty inconsistent all year. We haven't really seen one of these. NL East teams put together a great run the way the Phillies are right now. Uh, Like Sean mentioned this earlier, but man, like this is the first time in years where I've felt like the Phillies are actually 
kind of good. Like, you know, I think the last couple of seasons there's been flashes because the talent's there, but I've never felt like, oh, man, like this is actually like a good unified baseball team. I I feel that way right now. I think they're a good baseball team. They've won eight straight. Wheeler just pitched the game of his life tonight. He was awesome. He did it on Doc Holliday Day. Uh, Bryce Harper is playing like the MVP. He's been outstanding. Uh, you know, Reese is going to come back soon. I think that, you know, I think things are just, I think things are just kind of clicking for them. Honestly, I think that things can continue to get better. Even, you know, I think they can continue to play at a high level. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a, there's just so much to be happy about right now if you're a Phillies fan. And so I think they can ride this momentum. They're peaking at pretty much just about the right time. And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm gonna say that they will win the NL East. Sean, <laughs> <laughs> so I was all prepared to come in here and say no, I'm gonna be the downer. The Mets are still a really good team. The Phillies bullpen still has question marks. They're not gonna win the division. And then I watched the game today. Mm-hmm. And do any of you remember in 2015? when the Nationals were a lot better than the Mets, but every time they played each other, the Mets would line up their rotation so that the Nationals got Syndergaard, DeGrom, and Harvey. That's what the Phillies are going to do to the Mets and the Braves for the rest of the season. (laughs) There is no one to match up with Wheeler unless DeGrom comes back. No one can even come remotely close. Neither of those teams even really has someone to match up with Nola. The closest you're getting there is Charlie Morton, who's been wildly inconsistent. I I love the guy, but it hasn't been his best year. Ranger Suarez has been really good now. Zach Eflin is a solid three. Ian Kennedy, who, fun fact, Ian Kennedy finished in the top five in Cy Young voting the same year as Roy Halladay and Cliff Lee did. (laughs) Just throw that one in for you. (laughs) Has been good. I still like Jose Alvarado a lot. He has... I think if I ever had to stand in the box against Jose Alvarado, the life would leave my body. (laughs) I I can't imagine having to hit against him. Harper is getting MVP chance. Real Muto is 1A or 1B as the best catcher in baseball. It's too close to call, and it has been for a long time. Hoskins can hit. Kutch can hit. Even the bench players have looked good. Torres has been good. Luke Williams has been okay. He had a good game today. Better game, at least. Nap is a decent backup catcher. It's a deep roster. Didi Gregorius hasn't really hit yet. If he's going to hit, that adds another bat. Segura was, if the All-Star game was a week and a half later, would have been an All-Star. And, hey, how about this one? I know we're talking about Harper for MVP. How about Wheeler? Wheeler's definitely the Cy Young favorite right now, and uh, he's been better than any hitter has been. Can he get some MVP consideration, please? Uh, All right, Christian, are you going to make it three for three or are you going to bring them back to earth? (laughs) Let's bring them back to earth. They have a Swiss (laughs) defense, firstly. I thought the Angels defense was pathetic. I make fun of them every night. They break my heart every night. The Phillies make me think Andleton Simmons is still out there for me. It's Alec (laughs) Bowman cannot play. He cannot play. Real Mudu is awesome. Everyone else is not, defensively speaking. Harper... We'll let him live. Yeah. 
It, it's uh, bad. <laughs> their starting pitching is cool. Wheeler is great. He's elite. I wouldn't have him in my top three Cy Young, but he's fourth for sure. Um, Aaron Nola, come on. He's a 440 ERA this year. We're talking he's a number two right now. No one in the NL East is better. He's a 440 ERA. All right, like, let's relax on him. Ian Kennedy is, is awesome. The rest of the bullpen, are we going to talk about them? I mean, no. what's that? No, what's, we're not. That bullpen is bad. Like, you no, have the not. Angels bullpen. Riso Iglesias is awesome. Everyone else makes me want to die. That is the Phillies bullpen <laughs> to an extreme. I. I they have a really, really like good chance of making the playoffs solely because the Mets are being the Mets and the Braves are hurt. That's all. That's the Phillies are not that good of a team and they're lucky, but I do do not believe in them now. I don't believe in them for the division at all. Oh okay. Wow. So, okay. Christian actually made some good points about the Phillies, but he's comparing them to the Angels for some reason and not the Mets and the Braves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so the Mets and the Braves have the Mets and the Braves have huge holes as well. Like I said before, the Mets are physically incapable of hitting the baseball. Like you know, like right they, they just they, they just can't do it. They can't also, do it. The I, Braves, I know we're supposed to be smart here, but also come on, the Mets have some pagan god rooting against them, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, the Braves, like you said, the Braves are are hurt. You know, uh, I, which is. You know, I'll take it. You know, like what, you know, whatever, whatever allows us to have a playoff push here. But I mean, I, the the bullpen question marks are still there for sure. You know, absolutely. I thought it was funny, Sean. You said going against Alvarado would be the scariest thing ever. Yeah, because he would throw one down the middle at a hundred and one <laughs> behind your head. The next so yeah, I I think Alvarado would be a good choice for that. Definitely. Uh, you know, I. I think it's so easy to look at the Phillies defense and their bullpen and, and be like, yeah, this team isn't good, but the, the other teams have holes that are pretty much just as big in my opinion. And okay. Nola's not going to continue just to be a four or five ERA pitcher for the rest yeah, of the season. You, you can't say the Phillies defense is bad and then blame Nola for a four or five ERA, especially when, <laughs> when all of his ERA fair. estimates are a run lower. That's exactly. Fair. Go oh, look no, at his. If they're making yep. errors, it wouldn't count towards the ERA. Maybe oh, he's supposed they're... to have a 540 year, right? It's all I know. They have no range. They don't score them errors. <laughs> I know that problem. <laughs> this dude using ER. This uh, this dude using field percentage basically is what, is, is what I heard just now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, in, instead of just saying the Phillies are like 26th in OAA. Yeah, I this is an interesting conversation though. I don't I don't know where I fall on the Phillies, truthfully. <laughs> Truthfully, I wrote them out a little while ago, and I'm I'm still trying yeah. to catch back up and put them back in the in the race. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's the that's the interesting yeah, thing about this race. There's a caveat here: if Degrom comes back, everything's out the window. That's fair. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> He's like, like the, the thing is, is that like you know, everyone's trying to like you know, be all analytical and smart and reasonable and logical about what they think is going to happen in this NL East. And the, and the correct answer to this is no one knows. And like, if like, no, we don't know what's going to happen. Like it's, it's hard to pin down exactly like how to logic yourself to an answer here, because all three of these teams have big holes or they're hurt in some way or something's happening. So like, why and the Mets not? are immune to logic. What? The Mets are just immune to logic. Exactly. No, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, wall, like wall Mets, that's the slogan, you know, like always. Uh, we'll be asking yeah. the same question in a month from now and have the same exact answers. We have no idea yet. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Here, here's what we should hope for. We should hope that the Marlins suddenly catch fire and just blow everyone away. Because they're the only <laughs> good run differential. <laughs> it's they're a, it's a, it now too. Yeah. They can do um, it. If, if any team in that division could go on a run, I, it's the Marlins because of their starting pitching. Everything else is a, kind of a joke. But that's starting pitching. Bad, is. But their rotation is really formidable. Yeah. I don't know. It's an interesting division. There's a lot of interesting things to watch. I think, kind of like you mentioned, we're going to be having this conversation in September too. Like nothing's going to change. But it's fun to think about. I'm glad I could give the two of you a little moment in the spotlight for your Phillies. <laughs> but let's jump to inning five. The Tigers announced a two-year extension for Jonathan Scope, which could explain part of the reason why he wasn't traded at the deadline like I thought he was going to be. Do you like this move for Detroit? Does this mean does this mean the team thinks it's ready to compete soon? And do you agree with them? If so, we'll start with Christian. Um, I th- I thought this team was ready to compete this season. To be honest with you, uh, going into the deadline, they should have traded for Joey Gallo or traded for Trevor Story and just extended them. Um, the White Sox are awesome. Their pen is as good as the Royals was in 2015 now, like it's ridiculous. So they're probably not going to catch them, but that, that's a team that can compete right now. Um, they, they hired AJ Hinch knowing they're ready to compete soon. Uh, mm-hmm. I like the Jonathan scope extension quite a bit. Um, they, they're going to get one of those short stops and they're going to compete next season. Yeah. Sean. They're going to compete. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I agree with Hinch. He's probably a top two manager in baseball it's him and cash and that's everyone else way back but they just have so many weak positions they don't have a catcher Uh, scope is good but the rest of the infield is shaky i like green and torkelson are coming but i don't know if they'll be here next year i'm not a huge believer in mize i am a huge believer in scooble especially after he was throwing 97 a few days ago but they really if they were trying to jumpstart their window, they should have signed Gilmuto last offseason. Like, that's a spot where they really could have gone. They have a young pitching staff. He's an excellent framer. And who's the alternative? Um, Grayson Greiner? I, am, I even, am I even pronouncing that right? Sounds right. Opening day was Wilson Ramos. So that's where they are defensively speaking. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. And the White Sox are very good. The Twins aren't going to be this bad next year. The Guardians are going to be 500-ish. I don't think they're making... They're not winning the division next year. And there are four good teams in the East. The Astros are still going to be really good. They're not making the playoffs next year. They'll compete. They'll be 500-ish. It'll be kind of the opening of their competitive window. But they're not quite ready to compete yet. That being said, I love the signing. I think Scope is a really good player. I think he's really underappreciated. And... You can just re-up him again if you happen to arrive early or if you're there at the end of his deal. But no, I don't think they're competing next year. J-Roy? Yeah, I mean, I don't think this signing moves the needle for them a ton. You know, I I don't think Scope's a bad player at all. I think he's pretty good. You know, he might bust out a 3-1 season every now and then here. You know, he's like about 15 to 20% above average as a hitter. You know, I – 
I, I'm not a huge believer in the Tigers right now. I kind of want to be. I kind of want to be, but I, I think that there are too many holes in their team so far. You know, I think they've had some a little bit of bright spots. You know, I think that Mize and Scooble are both going to be great, great, uh, great pitchers. I, I really believe in them a lot. But I mean, you know, your best players are like Candelario and Badu. Like I, you know, I mean. You're, those you're not they're not competing for a playoff spot right now at all I, I don't think that's gonna happen this season or next season maybe the season after that you know depending the way Torkelson comes up what happens with him I think that I, I think that when he comes up to the majors and is actually like settles in and you know starts actually contributing to the team I think that's when we can kind of say that their competitive window opens a little bit. And, uh, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think the scope scope signing moves the needle a ton, but it, it does show that they, their front office is willing to spend, which is very important. If you're a Tigers fan, that's crucial. You know, that matters a lot, which is good. You know, I don't think scope's like a world beater or anything, but you will, as a fan, you want to you know that your front office is committed to winning at least sometime soon. So in that sense, I do think it is a good signing. It's a good point. I would have them, like, comparatively uh, to the 2015 Astros where their core was coming up. You saw the talent. We saw Mm -hmm. that they were there. They snuck into the playoffs. Probably shouldn't have been there, but we saw the talent. I think that's kind of where Detroit is right now. And money-wise, the only committed contract they have is to Miguel Cabrera. Everyone else is on a real deal. They have that all is- the money in the world to spend, and Illiches love to spend when they start spending. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if they start spending, it can get scary over there, but that's a big if still. Yeah, that Astros team was different, though, because they signed a bunch of guys really cheap who had a ton of power and decent plate discipline. Like, they signed Colby Rasmus and Luis Valbuena, and there's a bunch of guys who oh, in Houston were going to hit 25 homers. Yeah. I think it's. I, I think you all kind of make good points. It's very much this team knows it's coming soon. It might not be now, but everything they've done since this offseason has said, hey, we're coming soon. It, it's not going to be much longer until I, it's the easiest division to just <laughs> put a half-decent team together and find yourself at least competing for it. Yeah, also, so there, there's no reason yeah. not to, especially with the outlook. Like Kansas City's going to stay mediocre. Cleveland's going to stay mediocre. Twins will probably be mediocre for a year or two. It's like now is yeah, the they time. Have a to... Huge off season coming up. Yeah, yes. they want to do with the direction. They've got an important off season. It's like if you're Detroit, it's like there's not going to be too many opportunities better than right now in the near yeah, future. No. So let's just do it. And so, they can go get Verlander again. I, they <laughs> can just get. They can go get a healthy shortstop, and all of a sudden that team looks a lot different. So I'm, I'm curious to see what the Tigers are going to do this offseason. Yeah. And obligatory Gregory Soto mentioned, just so Scott, <laughs> Scott doesn't uh, yell at us. Yeah, it's Akil, like Christian said, you see the talent. You see the talent. Akil Badu is probably the rookie of the year in my eyes right now. Yeah, he, he's that's phenomenal really season. Yeah, he's been really good. Only getting so. better. The plate discipline has been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're seeing those pieces coming together. It's... It's it's coming quickly. I don't know how soon, but the division makes it a little bit easier for that. Uh-huh. Certainly. Inning six last week or this week maybe one of the two. Fernando Tatis re-aggravated his left shoulder injury uh, that he's been fighting through all season. This week 
Oh, that's why I worded it that way. This week, we learned the Padres are seriously considering moving him to center field upon his return. Sean, does this make move? This does this move make any sense? Do you agree with it if it's actually done? There are two perspectives here, and I'm going to answer from both of them. From the perspective of I want to see Tatis be a lot of fun. Oh, please do it. <laughs> please. I want to see Tatis run around that outfield. I want to see a Tatis Grisham tandem out there taking away every hit. Do you know how much fun it would be to watch Tatis in center field? This guy's so fast and so athletic. It would be incredible. But then there's the, <laughs> then there's the baseball perspective of it. And I don't think it does. He's he's just going to get hurt more playing out there, right? He's going to crash into a wall or he's going to dive. Mm -hmm. It's going to be like early career Bryce Harper when he would just run headfirst through things. <laughs> and who's going to play short if they don't have Tatis there? Like, are you going to play Hassan Kim full time? He's good, but he's a utility guy. Cronenworth isn't going to play short full-time. Adam Frazier is not going to play short full-time. And who do you bench if you move Tatis to the outfield? Do you move Will Myers into the infield and put and bench Hosmer? Well, that would actually be kind of nice. But Cronenworth <laughs> can play first anyway. Do you send Tommy Pham as a fourth outfielder? I know he's a terrible fielder, but he can still hit. Do you trade someone away and try to get another bullpen piece? They don't have a particularly deep bullpen. It, I don't know what how you manage that team if you put Tatis in the outfield. You don't have a true shortstop other than Kim then, and Kim is your 11th best hitter. And Tatis isn't that bad. He's only minus one OAA this year. That surprised me. Christian? Um... I think uh, from a fun perspective, as Sean was saying, he's fun as hell in sh at shortstop. And that might be the funnest position right now is Tatis at short. I, I don't think um go putting him in center field would necessarily make him a more like attractive or fun start because what he's doing now is awesome fun. I don't I don't think it helps prevent injuries much. I mean it's it's his uh, left arm, left shoulder, right? Mm -hmm. It's you're you're still doing the same motions. I guess you're not going for um, backhands as more, but I don't necessarily see that as a help. And I think they've outlined it, or Sean outlined it. Who do you want at shortstop? Cronenworth can play a good short, um, but I like him at second base. And yeah, I don't know if it really pushes the needle too much for them, or it does too much for them. If it happens, like we, uh, they tried it with Trey Turner when he was struggling at shortstop. They tried moving him to center field, and Mike Trout started at shortstop and became a center fielder. So you never know. I I don't mind it. I think it'd be an interesting interesting thing for the Padres, but it doesn't really do much for them. J-Roy? <clears throat> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm a little bit surprised by the cynicism because I, I think this would be a really good move. I think that, you know, it's still a relatively small sample ever since Tatis has started his career, but I think most of the defense, defensive metrics point us to the fact that Tatis isn't that good at shortstop. And I think that uh, you know, he's like negative six DRS this season. He was zero last year and he was negative three in 2019. So like that's negative nine for his career. I, I, he's a negative. He's a net negative at shortstop in the long run, I think. 
I think the only thing that is stopping him from being an absolute legend, like a legitimate all-time great, is going to be his defense at shortstop. If he can't fix that, assuming that you know he doesn't, you know, get rid of his demons at that position. I listen. He's he's fast. He's incredibly athletic. I think he could play a really good center field. I you know I think the the only real question is. Uh, who would play short? I think Cronenworth is capable of doing that. You know, I I think he I think he's more than capable of doing that. I don't think moving him from second over to short is is a terrible idea. I don't th- and I don't think it's something that would be out of his range of capabilities. Uh, I I do think that Cronenworth at second is such a great fit. You know, he 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 won the Rookie of the Year last year playing that position. But I I don't know. I think this is I don't see it as a bad move. I don't know. I don't think Tatis is that great at short. I really don't. The guy makes a, a bunch of mistakes at the position. He, he, you know, he as athletic and and fast as he is, he's. I just don't think the data shows us that he's that good at the position. He could be great at center field. You don't know. You know, I I think that I I don't know. He's got the tools. If anyone's got the tools, it's Fernando Tatis. Like, you know, him and him and Grisham in the outfield, man, they would cover some ground. They would cover. Yeah. I don't know. I and like Sean said, it'd be a lot of fun. Would it necessarily be more fun than him at shortstop? Maybe not, but it'd be a completely different thing. I think you know this is an this is an MVP caliber player. I think to be able to put him in the center field, I think he could pull it off. I I'm I'm in favor of seeing it, and I don't even think it'd be a bad baseball move at all. The one thing none of us mentioned somehow is Grisham is like a plus plus defender in center. Mm. Oh, he's awesome! Yeah, he's yeah. From there in the that that's a consideration for sure. Grisham is a fantastic outfielder. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that he's not. I just think that he would be awesome in right, also, or he'd be awesome in left. He, also. he would. Um, one thing but is that he's um, right. Let him use his arm. True. I don't think that's a bad idea at all. I think that would be maybe even a better idea. Actually, you're. I mean, you're. Yeah, I completely agree. I. I uh I like Cronenworth's versatility. I like the fact that he can take Hosmer out of the lineup at any given day. So I mm-hmm. don't like um the idea of having to make him the starting shortstop per se mm-hmm. because like he is the guy you just move everywhere right now. And yeah. taking Hosmer's bat out of the lineup is a huge plus to the Padres. We all know it. Like he's horrible, has been horrible, and <laughs> will continue to be horrible. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's an interesting question. I'd I don't know. I kind of roll my eyes at it when you start. It's like, what are they trying to do? But he's not a world beater at shortstop defensively. He, I, he's not at all. He might be he's good. Not. He might be average. He might be fine. I'm like, it's it's not something where it's like, I think it's outside the realm of like, no, this dude's a stud here. Like you can't move him type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's I'll, I'll be curious to see how it works out. But. Honest, honestly, you know, I just get scared thinking mm-hmm. that like we're gonna see a twenty-year career from Tatis where he's just like a, like a like a one-fifty way to runs created plus hitter, and the only thing keeping him from being like a like a one-twenty win player is the fact that he sucks at short. Like, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just scared it'll be like a Jeter type thing. Where Jeter, he, you know, where he well, could have I mean, been like. You know, he could have been like a hundred win player, but he just couldn't play the position that he played at his whole yeah. Life. Yeah. 
It is, it is funny you bring point. up Jeter, though. I mean, positional adjustment saved Jeter. He probably have the same war as Ryan Howard. If you're going to <laughs> oh, yeah. And that, yeah. Jeter and Tatis are bad in opposite ways. Jeter just had yeah, – he couldn't range. go more than a step. Tatis mm. has all kinds of range. He just doesn't know how to throw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. his is a lot of smaller, like, minimal mistakes that I think are very fixable. Like, he, he just rushes himself because – you know, he's Fernando Tatis. He loves to be as flashy as possible. He loves to be mm-hmm. as quick as possible. So he, he makes little smaller mistakes that I think as a shortstop will just buffer out as he gets older. Yeah. Um, I, I think we've seen improvement, though, is an important piece, too. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think these seasons are better than – or this season's been better than what it's been in previous. But I don't know. It's an interesting question. I don't know what they're going to end up doing with it. As we round out here, let's jump to the final question, inning seven. Peter Gammons wrote an article this week about the 10 most important pitchers in the second half. This is the order. DeGrom, Sale, Flaherty, Kershaw, Severino, Nick Anderson of the Rays, Syndergaard, Ian Anderson of the Braves, Hugh Darvish, Tyler Bede of the Giants. That I rolled my eyes when that 10th one came across too. Whether or not, and that's why I wrote the question the right way I did, whether or not you agree with that list, my question is this. Who are your top three most important hitters in the second half for the postseason stretch run? We will start with J-Roy. Okay, so I I'm, I was going to try to not cheat a little bit on like keeping it just at three players. But, okay, so first off, I'm going to say that I'll just get this one out of the way already. I think that in order for the Phillies to actually make a run at the NL East – Title, I think Bryce is going to have to stay at this MVP level uh, caliber of offense. I think that he's going to need to make this MVP push if if the Phillies want to be where they are. I think uh, Reese has been really good this season. He's been 123 WRC plus this year. I think that when he comes back from his groin injury, if he can be really good in the last month of the season, I think he's a huge X factor for the Phillies. Because he's been pretty good, you know, the guy walks a lot, you know, but if he's like actually great the way we kind of used to think that he could be, I think that the Phillies are in a great spot. Second, I'm going to say, I'm going to shoot a little bit on this one too, but I think that Glaber Torres has, has been. That's a good one. Abysmal this season has been so bad. And I got to be honest. I don't really think Glaber's all that good of a baseball player, but he was he had a good season last year. So like if he he's been he has an 89 WRC plus so far. If he can turn it around, if he can actually be like just a shell of his former the way he was last year, they can like I mean the then the Yankees are in all of a sudden in such a, a much better position. I think a lot of Yankees fans and you know a lot of other fans too have kind of just like expected him to continue to be bad the rest of the season and have just kind of hoping that the Yankees can turn things around in spite of him. But man, like I, you know, I'd, I'd have to go look at his splits a little bit more like monthly, but Oh, actually no second half. He's been a little bit better. Actually. He has three home runs in the second half and he had three, the entire first half. So there might be a little bit of a change Three thirty-three average in August. So far he might be turning a corner a little bit, you know, he just has to be like, 20% above average for the rest of the season. You could also throw DJ in there. DJ has been like pretty much exactly league average. Whereas I actually do have faith in DJ. I think DJ actually is a good hitter. And so if he turns things around, <laughs> you know, I, I do think DJ is a good hitter. I don't care what y'all think. 
no, I was laughing at the way you phrased that versus like comparing it to Glaber. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Glaber skeptic for sure, and I, and I'm pretty, and I'm pretty high on DJ. You know, he went to LSU, so uh, I, I think that, uh, I, I think that if D, DJ has a much better chance of turning it around, and if he does, if if DJ and Glaber both turn it around, man, the Yankees they can make a push at that division, honestly. Uh, third, I'm going to say Alex Bregman. Uh, you know, he, That's a good one. Yeah. Bregman has been out since June 16th with his hamstring – or, no, with his quad. He like he has not played a lot this season mm-hmm. or really last season. It feels like every single plate appearance he's had this season and in the shortened season last year, he's been battling some kind of injury. This is a guy – who in 2018 and 2019 back to back put up 17 wins? 17 wins, man! If he comes back healthy, you're talking about a guy who can put up 150 runs created plus season in his sleep. If he if he comes back and starts hitting the way he actually can and he's healthy, man, it'll it's over for the A's. It is over for the A's. The Astros will run away with that division. Sean. Uh, so I was planning to start with DJ just because of the Yankees odd insistence to keep leading him off. I I don't get that. I enjoy watching Yankees fans on Twitter argue about it though. Um, (laughs) But I'll go to one of my backups here and start with Matt Chapman, who kind of opposite of the Bregman points. The A's are really fighting against the Astros here. The Astros are a lot better than them, and the A's have to be the A's and scrap against them. And Matt Chapman could be a huge part of that. We've seen him at his peak be an eight-war player. Well, our war, which uh, no one really likes. Keep the narrative. Better for interviews. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I love your comments on this, Christian. (laughs) But he's been really bad this year he's always been known for hitting the ball hard he's had a good eye he hasn't been an elite offensive player but he's been above average and when you couple that with his otherworldly defense he's been you know six win player annually this year he has a 91 wrc plus his he has a 295 x woba and he has a 295 woba something's wrong here I don't know exactly what it is. I think I know his exit velocity is down. Maybe an injury of some sort. Maybe he just made a swing change and it's been hurting him. Who knows? But the A's need him. He he lengthens their lineup significantly. They need him to hit, especially when they're a lineup that's routinely running out Elvis Andrews. Then a second one. This is also kind of in opposite of the Harper one. Michael Conforto. Conforto coming into the year might have been the the Mets' best hitter. He had put up around a 140 WRC plus two years in a row. And this year he's, I believe on the broadcast today, Mike Schmidt said he was batting 203. He Now he did have his heroics this year. He had the walk-off hit by pitch. We're not going to talk about that. (laughs) But coming into today, he had... (laughs) He had a 94 WRC plus. He is slugging 342. And part of it's a 244 BABIP. Part of it is that his ex-WOBA is 361, while his WOBA is 305. But still, he needs to hit. 
He needs to just get the ball in the air a little more. Uh, that has to be the problem. His ISO is way down. His BABIP is way down. It, that has to be the problem with him. He has to be putting too many balls on the ground. Even though his launch angle is up somewhat, it, he just isn't he isn't hitting like he's supposed to, and he was their best hitter. And then this one is kind of a different thing here. This isn't impacting the playoff chase at all because they have the division sewn up. But how about Christian Yelich? We, we haven't talked about him at all this year. And he was an MVP. He didn't deserve the MVP. It should have been DeGrom. But he was an MVP. Then the next year, he deserved an MVP and didn't win it. And he did this off the strength of hitting a ton of homers in a really friendly home park. And since that point, he's been not very good. He's been above average, but he hasn't hit for much power. And that's what he was doing when he was great, was he was just hitting the ball, pulling the ball in the air and hitting 40 homers. And he really hasn't hit for any power this year. I, last I checked, Fangraphs isn't loading on my computer right now, but last I checked, he was slugging under 400. And if that's your best hitter, that's really a problem. Without him, the Brewers are left with Omar Narvaez as their best hitter. Uh, and the Brewers have a really, really scary pitching rotation. You don't really want to face Woodruff and Burns and Freddie Peralta and Josh Hader and Avatar the Last Airbender in the playoffs. <laughs> but that's a lineup that I think I could strike out 12 times with a blitz ball. Unless <laughs> Yelich turns it around. Those are three good names. Christian, round us out of here. Um, so I'm going to lead it off with Brandon Nimmo. He hasn't necessarily been struggling this season. He has a 130 WRC plus. Um, but Nimmo is just a difference maker for the for the Mets. He has a 415 on base percentage this year. His ISO, however, has been down by a hundred, and um, he's he's been awesome despite the lack of power. If he comes back, that's the Mets' offense back in full force. Um, he'd be my first choice. Matt Chapman was going to be one of my guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Athletics need him. Their offense has been stale without him. Um, Matt Chapman's a really weird hitter. He has a really high line drive percentage, and it's unsustainable to have. So last year, um, line drive percentage went up. Fly balls went down. Ground balls went down. This year, the ground balls stayed the same. Line drives went down. Fly balls went up, but none of them are turning into outs because they've, they've just been uh, like pop-outs, really. Infield flies have gone up a lot. Um, for my third choice, I was going to choose an angel, to be honest with you. Um, not not for the play, postseason, but Joe Adele um, going forward. It's the second half, uh, we've seen such improvement from him. Uh, he had two doubles today. He's seen two to three more pitches per plate appearance than last season. That's a huge, huge, huge addition. He's whipping already 10% less, walking a lot. I mean, he has as many walks this season as he has last year. He's If Joe Adele shows what Joe Adele can be and like shows the power and everything with his defense coming up and not being like what it was last year, it's the Angels are completely different going into next season. So it's this that's the hitter this second half I've just been most watching. Yeah. I don't know how to break this tie I've got here. I think I'm gonna break it as a tie. <laughs> yeah, I was just I was gonna say that uh yeah, I was watching on the broadcast today. I thought it was really interesting that 
you know, Nimmo gets on base like a freak, but the, he has like a 360 slugging, you know, the yeah. it was just, was just kind of crazy. Uh, yeah. I was actually thinking about putting both Chapman and I thought about Chapman and Yelich. Uh, I, I just don't know how you can look at what we've seen this season and last season and just say that Chapman's a good hitter. Like, I just don't know how you can come <laughs> to that conclusion. I, I I don't. I I think that, that he's going to have to be if the A's really want to be serious. But I just don't think the guy has it in him. I don't think he can play baseball, to be quite honest. But uh, Yelich, I Yelich, I thought about also because I, you know, I think that he deserved the 2018 MVP, and I think he certainly deserved the 2019 MVP also. Uh, the, and you know, the guy like Yelich is such a good hitter, and he was so good for those couple of seasons. I. I don't know. I want to believe that there's some little fix he can make to get things back on track because I think I don't think it's over for him. I think he can still be a superstar. Uh, but yeah, I just want to throw that out there. Um, Cody I, Bellinger I, also yeah. probably should have been mentioned here. Yeah, I was uh, gonna say the yeah. only name I thought of other than that was Bellinger's. Like, yeah, Bellinger if, was. If, if yeah, Cody Bellinger's I, Cody Bellinger. Anybody else not named the Dodgers is in trouble. Like, yes, the Dodgers are doing what they're doing without Bellinger. Like, that's absurd to think about. The Dodgers are doing what they're doing with Albert Pujols on their team. Okay? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but those are all those are all really good names. Um, I, I think it makes for a fun second half to know, you know, you've got stars that are struggling right now, and you've got guys that need to step up for their teams to be good. And yeah, it'll be awesome. curious to see. I'll say real quick, lads. I think that I don't know. Bellinger's in a weird spot for me. Maybe I'm too hard on him or something. But like you know, you said that like a Bellinger's Bellinger. Like I'm not sure I like who the real Bellinger is. Like I you know like I'm 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 not I'm not certain if the real Cody Bellinger is the guy who won the Rookie of the Year and the guy who won the MVP a couple seasons ago, or if he's kind of just a super streaky, inconsistent guy who's not going to, you know, who's going to play like he has this year. I honestly don't know. I, I think he's good enough in the outfield and like that, and his swing is good enough that his floor is pretty dang high. His floor is a three and a half wing player. Oh, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But is he just a three and a half wing player or is he like a seven and a half wing player? You know, I really don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I think either I think way I you get out how to break the tie. <laughs> oh, you want to break the tie? <laughs> yeah. Had to go to the to the White Sox. All right, Ugh. Sean wins. No, what? <laughs> anyway. Okay. With and um, not knowing who he is, it's very fair though. In 2019, yeah. when he won that MVP, he hit 400 the first two months, and he was slightly above league average the west the rest of the way through of 2019. Mm-hmm. He was uh, 110 last year WRC plus, and he's been horrible this year. So we haven't seen an MVP from. Cody Bellinger in so point. long since the beginning of 2019. Yeah. If he's and, a 125, yeah. though, he's a five-win player because he's such a good defender. Yeah. He's such a great defender for sure. Uh, he's an interesting that you bring up good points. I just looked at it now. I'm like, oh yeah, that. I mean, the MVP was clearly the standout season, and it's like, mm-hmm. well, if that's the ceiling, that's great. That's probably not the floor though, uh, as we've mm-hmm. seen. But he's an interesting case, but. I don't know. I'm going to be fair. I'll leave it as a tie, Sean. I, as much as I love pandering, however, it will get you everywhere with me. Yes, I will I leave that it as a tie. Diego. 
But this is a good. It, it, it just killed last too much to give me that extra point. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I you usually get a penalty for saying something bad about Gioito or something. <laughs> yeah, J. Ray, you know, I'm sorry. I, 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 I can't help it. But you know what? Since we're ra- wrapping up here, we're going with what to watch for this week. I'll still let you start. How's that feel? Uh, I'll, I'll take the consolation. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what to watch for this week? You know. We talked a bunch about the Phillies. They're coming off their hot streak or whatever. They play the Dodgers this week. That's going to be a ginormous test for them. Could go really poorly. It could go really well. I think this is going to be very revealing in determining how serious they are about making this NL East push. Uh, I think it's a super important series for them. Also, Nationals and Mets play each other. Uh, you know, I think that if if the Mets don't figure things quickly with their their offense you know they might bury themselves in too big of a hole so uh you know so like if they if they let the Nationals stick it to them for a few games that might be a really bad sign for them it could also be really good for them though so I think uh Nationals Mets and Phillies Dodgers are two uh pretty cool series to watch for uh really big implications for the NL East playoff picture so Christian um, what to watch for is Max Stassi, frankly. There's no better catcher in baseball than Max Stassi. Uh, quote me on that. He's an elite framer. He's an elite blocker, elite base thrower, uh, elite hitter. There's no one better than what he does. You know, it's watch Max Stassi. Watch him fix the Eagles' entire pitching problems. Watch him be the Messiah. He's awesome. It's just watch Max Stassi. You know, Christian, I could pull up some receipts of you saying that JT is the best catcher in baseball. I could do that to you. You know, you I'll probably play. could because I wouldn't necessarily disagree until the Max Stassi emergence that I knew See, was going to happen. I, I know that you said it because this prior, prior to this season, I was the only person who didn't have Yomiro number one on their top ten catcher list. Did you have Grandall? I had Grandall. No. I won't be mad at Still that. you pandering for the point, huh? I was going to say, you're yeah, trying this- to this dude hey, is shameless. I'll be yeah, honest. I, I appreciate it. Every year for the last three, just because uh, framing and walking are so much more sustainable than JT being athletic. Sean, I'll be honest. I'm sure at some point down the line, you'll get some extra points. You're obvious <laughs> enough to where you'll get them somewhere. But hey, don't, don't listen to him, Sean. He's <laughs> like a year. Why don't you wrap us up, though, with what you're watching this week as we head out for this? I'm watching Barrios versus Otani. I'm really excited for that one. That's it's a good matchup. Two really fun teams. I don't know which broadcast I'll watch. I'm not a huge fan of either broadcast team, but that's a really fun matchup. Two guys with just really visceral stuff and some fun hitters in that matchup, including Otani himself and Vlad, who I went to City Field just to see him. It That's going to be a fun game. And also, I want to see if Joey Votto keeps uh, hitting home runs. All he's got to do is hit pop-ups like you saw yeah, or, it the other day. Like. Or sorry, it, the, in the way that the Reds fans would say it. I want to see if Joey Votto continues to bang. Yeah. <laughs> the Votto yeah, resurgence has been awesome. He's been awesome. He has been fantastic. It's cool to see that everyone kind of riding or writing him out at this point in his career. And he's it's just so likable. He's the hitting version of Granky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. A lot of fun stuff to watch for this week. A lot of fun coming up. Um, but that's going to do it for us in our recap of this week. We'll be back on next week, uh, per usual. 
Until then, you can find us at the website, diamond-digest.com, the Twitter handle, at diamond underscore digest, the Instagram handle, diamond.digest. Make sure to follow all of our writers here, Christian, Sean, and J-Roy. J-Roy didn't put his Twitter handle, but yeah, make sure that. to find and follow him. Um, at Johnny C3076. Sure- <laughs> I don't but think make sure I to follow you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great. I don't think Diamond Digest follows Jonathan Roy. (laughs) (laughs) But that's going to do it for us this week. Make sure to follow us along with us everywhere. We'll have plenty of great articles coming out this week. For Christian Lloyd, Sean Hoff, and J. Roy, Jonathan Roy, this is Jordan Lazowski signing off. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your week, and we'll talk to you next week. See you soon.